Well, hey, man. Hi, man. Hey, cheers. Cheers. Clink. Oh, yeah. Clink. Oh, that was good. That was was good. it? <laughs> I've been practicing in the shower all day. Oh, that- yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My first note is like a lot of, Ugh. oh, oh, yeah. You say a lot of, I I say not enough of. Uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's like the tambourine of uh, vocal ex- expletives or something like that. Every, I, I, think every, I think every dance song needs more tambourine. And you're like, every rock song, every pop rock song needs more. Ugh. All right. Welcome back. We're we're here at the Sip and Mimo Studios. <laughs> we're already off track, <laughs> and we have a uh, we have a pants splittingly rocking, chilled out wow. episode for you tonight. We sure do. We have a cock ringed, trombone playing, uh, special episode. A long time coming, I think, because you're a big fan. Yes, Jake oh, of I'm of your cool. artist tonight. I love, I love my guy. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you, it, it all goes back to the summer of 1998 and VH1. You, you can like, uh, you can take like a pinch of like T2 Judgment Day, a Whoa. scoop of Three Migos, a, a dash of Beetlejuice and like a half a cup of uh, VH1 in the late 90s. You got yourself a Jake Drumgle. Wow. That is confusing. <laughs> Uh, as always, I'm, I'm Jake. Oh, and I'm Elliot, and this is Sippin' Mimos. And this is the uh, uh, the internet's premier podcast where, where Jake and I uh, compare and contrast 90s radio rock and electronic music, often over beverages. Did I nail it? Oh, my God. Dude, that was good. Are you reading Thanks, some cue cards? No, was, I never, I have, I only have my notes about uh, Lenny and GA, so... Uh, tonight I'm having a, uh, a fire eagle. Uh, we, I have a mosmosa. It's like a cider mimosa. What? Yeah, it's. I think it's called mosmosa. Okay. And it is so strong. Are you all right? Yeah, I, ha- I had a mosmosa um, by Bishop Cider. Uh, can't recommend it more. Uh, very strong, and I got work in the morning. So. <laughs> Oh, word. Me too, man. Oh, my God. One, one of these days, we should do like a Friday night taping and like just it just, <laughs> just see like how far off, like how far off the rails we can go. We'll, we'll do like a we'll do like a live Twitch stream or something like that. That could be the uh, music video episode where we just watch music videos and and people can like sign sit in and watch us watch music videos. Oh, I love that. That'd be fun, right? Well, uh, how, you, how, you, how you been, man? Been doing okay. Um, All right. Have you uh, watched, seen, heard, eaten, uh, smelled anything cool lately? I've smelled so many odd things in this last week. <laughs> I've seen something that's that's quite of note, but I, I think maybe we should save it for a second. But like uh, beyond that, um, I've seen. I started watching um, the new. Uh, ben Stiller directed Adam Scott vehicle on Apple Severance. So I watched like, the first three episodes of that, and I'm quite intrigued. 
because it's kind of a mystery and it's really odd and like I'm a big Adam Scott guy. I, I think Adam Scott's like the, the best and like so lovely and like a fun dude. I would, he's like the celebrity I would want to like hang out with and have a beer with for sure. Uh, but this, the show is really weird and like ethereal and, and, and kind of creepy. And I, I've heard, I've heard it's good, um, but I, I'm not familiar. The, the idea is like they work at this giant corporation and like, so everyone that goes in there, you know, they, you park your car, you go into the office and then they wipe your brain. And everything you go into the office with is new and then they wipe your brain again on the way out. So your, your social life and work life are completely disparate and you have no idea how the two interrelate. Wow. So it's like office space meets eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. It was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I, last time we talked, we were talking about Mike Myers, the Mike Myers of it all. And like, and how like he never really approached the dramatics things and like Ben Stoller has kind of done that like here and there and all that but now he's like directing and like this show and it's like really creepy and like kind of fucked up and it's it's pretty cool man it's more drama than comedy but there's some comedy in there but yeah you go ahead you know Ben Stiller's always been kind of an enigma for me you know like he's like he was just he could snap at you like he could like he can go from being like really comical to being almost like pissed off you know and Mm -hmm. and it it, that's always something that's always really struck even when i was younger i'm like okay like ben Stiller's not like adam sandler you know he's not like myers you know like there's there's like there's something underneath the surface there Mm. like there's a little tension like you wouldn't want to mess with him or anything like that uh if, if i was in an elevator with like adam sandler i'd probably say like hi hi adam you know you know your movie's uh, made my childhood and i just you know thank you you know it by all by all accounts sandler is a really nice guy and like will will talk to you and be like oh cool man thanks i i heard this like really great i think it was on like reddit or something but it was like uh people were talking about the friendliest celebrities that they've met and they were like uh-huh. i met adam i met adam sandler at a resort and he was really nice and david spade was also staying there and adam sandler was like Oh yeah, Spade's here too, but he's an asshole. Don't talk to him. <laughs> oh, that's kind of, but that sounds like a bit though. That sounds like yeah, like yeah. Fucking with it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is very funny. That's very, that's very good. Do you have like a rough celebrity encounter, like a rough one? No, I mean, fortunately, the celebs, mainly musicians that I, that I've yeah. ha- had the pleasure of meeting, have all been really kind. And like, uh, really patient, and with me being like, and and track two, uh, <laughs> really, you know, got me through my fifteen-year-old uh, breakup, man. You know, and yeah, you told you told us the Willie story, which is so amazing to me, truly. Oh my god, that I, I, I still pinch myself with thinking about that. <laughs> um, That's amazing, though, truly. I once saw Glenn Danzig be like kind of unpleasant. You know, but he's like famously unpleasant. Yeah. And so I was just like, well, you know, that's, there you go. <laughs> like Lived up to it. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> Did I tell the, uh, what's the show with the serial killer? Dexter? Did I tell the Dexter story on the pod before? No, I don't think so. <laughs> me, and, me and some friends were at the bar we used to go to all the time in Brooklyn. And uh, Dexter walks in. Michael C. Hall, I believe. 
Uh, and my, my, my roommate at the time, Becky's like losing her mind because she's a big fan of Dexter and the other, like, is it six feet under show he was in? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like a huge fan. And this guy's just trying to, he's just trying to be a person at a bar. <laughs> and I ended up chatting to him for a little bit and like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then slowly my friends see me from inside, like, oh my God, Elliot's talking to Dexter. And like, I'm like, I don't watch Dexter. I don't give a fuck. Uh, and then they start trailing out and then be from this giant circle where like Dexter's like, oh, I guess I'm part of this circle. And we're all just like chatting and, you know, and having a cigarette or whatever and drinking the beer. And then, and he's like, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. Williamsburg, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then my friend Becky just goes, okay, I have to say at least something. I am such a big fan and I think you're so great. He's like, Oh, and he walks right inside. Oh. He's like, he's like, thanks. Bye. And goes inside, closes his tab out and leaves. <laughs> what? Cause he was kind of trying to enjoy his night and we ruined it. <laughs> like he knew, oh. I, I knew like he was a person, but I didn't really like, all right, whatever. And then yeah. I tr- later, I later tried to watch Dexter with like a girlfriend of mine. I'm like, I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> Showtime. I just, I, I've never really clicked with it. You know, <laughs> for real. What yeah, opinion never, to have? We're 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 tackling the hard stuff tonight. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're okay. What was Dexter on? It wasn't HBO. Showtime. It was on Showtime, and Showtime doesn't make good shit. What is what? What else has Showtime done? They did that one. Um, hold on, I don't, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but I think Californication with David Duchovny was on Showtime. Oh, I have to tell you, I've watched all of Californication. <laughs> why, why did I do that? Somehow I watched that. Well, I was a big X Files guy, and then like I watched that, and like I mean, you're this- you're always, you're always coveting Duchovny. Like that's what you're always you know like you famously do that. <laughs> that's a good podcast. What's Duchovny up to? Oh my god! But I watched that show. I remember, and I'm like being even like even when I was like kind of getting really grossed out by it because it's kind of a gross show. Like, and like it came out like Duchovny was like a sex addict, and like, oh man, like like this show was really feeding into it, and like, all right, we're getting to a dead end here, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, but like Californication was like up there with like uh, Entourage, where like you kind of hate watched it, like. I hated Entourage, but I watched it every week with my roommate because, like, she was watching it. I'm like, well, I might as well. And then, like, there's no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Inspired by Lenny Kravitz, I assume. Oh, yeah. yeah, All right. Um, (laughs) Uh, uh, All right. Um, Like, nothing bad ever happens to the characters in the show. I'm like, this this isn't a story. This is not a story. Okay. Anyways. But yeah, I never, I just never really, maybe it's it could also be that I never had Showtime. Uh, so, you know, I may just actually end up really loving Showtime's original content, but um, I just never, I, I the, the stuff I saw, I didn't really click with. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, I'm not worried about it. What have you, what have you been watching lately? Uh, well, before we jump to that, I got curious about Ben Stiller's uh, directing career okay so he he actually directed reality bites did he really direct it yeah i remember that movie 
I watched it for the first time recently, you know, because, you know, and really how yeah, recently, I, like within the last year. Wow. And I was like, I don't know, guys. I think Ethan Hawke is the bad guy in this movie. I kind of see what Ben Stiller is all about. Probably a soundtrack we'll cover eventually on the show, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's got it's got a bunch of really great like mid 90s grunge on there. Um, and a secret Steve Zahn appearance as well forget he's in that one steve zahn's the shit i love steve zahn and uh, jenny garoppolo too garoppolo yeah, yeah uh and he did the cable guy he directed that one yes yeah that's right he plays the uh, murderous twins in the court thing <laughs> I, I don't know they were i don't know who they were but they were definitely asian it was just oh, it was, oh my god my brother's been shot <laughs> There, there, were, there were definitely Asian. Asian. <laughs> and you know, as a kid, seeing that, that, that movie came out in 96. <laughs> and I have vivid memories of seeing it. I, I never put it together that that was Ben Stiller, you know, like. Pop quiz, hot shot. What's the concert they're going to in Kibble The concert they're going? Allison Chains. No, it's Soundgarden. Damn it, Soundgarden. Remember, like, you're going to wear the T-shirt to the band that you're going to see conversation? He goes, are you, it's Jack Black, and he goes, are you <laughs> ready to rock? Dang it. I, oh, I knew it was a Seattle grunge band. Oh, we'll, cut the, we'll cut this out to pr- protect your uh, notoriety. It's fine. <laughs> I was so, and I sounded so confident, I'm, too. I'm totally leaving it in. You have no idea. I'm selling you, you out like a- bro. Can you do like a whop, 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 whop? Yeah, whop, whop, whop. Well, I have to go up against Lenny with Groove Ramona tonight, so I'm going to I'm gonna take any shots I can get. Well, I mean, uh, in that one, that's actually <laughs> that's actually the first movie I learned, I, I first heard White Zombie. In Cable Guy? Uh, yeah. When they're... <laughs> All uh, I can remember is, when the truth is down. <laughs> oh my, and that's the first time I heard Jefferson Airplane, too. No shit! You want um, some juice? <laughs> it was great seeing him kind of reprise that role for the Super Bowl. Did you, did you see that commercial? Wait, who? Uh, Jim Carrey. No. He. It was like for like, I don't even know, some phone company. He did he, a cable guy thing? Yeah. And he comes in, he's like, cable guy. And they're just like. No uh, shit. Yeah. And, and they're like, everything's wireless now. And he's like, oh, really? Well, can you get Wi-Fi? And they're like, yep. Okay, and it's pretty funny. Correction off the top, but yeah, uh, yeah. Ben Stiller. He also did one of my favorites, Walter Mitty. He directed that one too. I, I remember liking Walter Mitty a great deal. Adam Scott, totally in that movie. That's right. Uh, over here, I just uh, I started watching Winning Time uh, on HBO. It's uh, with John C. Riley. Um, it's a story of the uh, Lakers. Johnson Riley, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm here right now. I'm, that's my show. I'm that's John a, C. Riley. That's a good John C. Riley. It's about the Lakers, man. Okay. Do you remember Step Brothers? That's a really good John C. Riley. <laughs> Thanks, man. Like, and he goes, "He's supposed to be in in, in Step Brothers." He's like. This supposed to be Bok Choi. I'm sorry, folks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. That's not enough, Dad. What if I want wings? 
I've never heard your John C. Riley before. That's so good. Thank you. That's so good. <laughs> John C. Riley. I'm like a friendly guy in most movies. It's so the show is <laughs> it's 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 it follows Jerry Buss. We're off the rails. I'm sorry. sorry <laughs> uh, it's it follows Jerry Buss. He's he's the uh, the owner of the Lakers, uh, played by John C. Riley and Magic Johnson, like played like amazingly by the by an actor named Quincy Isaiah. Um, cool. He like looks like magic he like carries himself like it's i think this might be his first major role um but he's he's incredible and uh i am a i'm a sucker for a sports drama i love it Mm -hmm. um so i'm very excited i really really enjoyed um the first episode but let's talk about what's on everyone's mind we should probably right so how was the Batman. Take by your phrasing. You haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I did buy the soundtrack today uh, on vinyl. Sight unseen or unheard, I guess. On vinyl? Yeah. You picked up the vinyl like at a shop or ordered it online? Ordered it online. Okay. So I'm, I'm uh, name, the, name the composer. Uh, Alan Sil- not Alan Silvestri. Uh, Damien Mike- something? It's Mike- Michael, Gia- Michael Giacchino. It's the guy that did uh, Lost and a great many oh. other things. Um, the score is the score is something else. If you recall back to our Batman and Robin episode, I got real upset about you enjoying the uh, Golden Thaw theme more than the Elfman theme. I mean, like rated like Elfman, Golden Thaw, uh, Zimmer, uh, you know, and all that. And, and uh, so Zimmer did the Nolan movies, and then like now they're going Jackino. It sounds like John Williams, like uh, Imperial March. But for Bat- Batman's theme is And it is, it's intensity, intensities. It's really good, but, the, but he does this weird thing during the movie, like the, within the score where like every time there's like a really clue, he does like this little elfman-esque like kind of thing <laughs> took me out a little bit but yeah i saw batman i'm going to see it again tomorrow um it's it's a batman movie man that's kind of like the the vibe i'm getting online um it's kind of like people are saying like it's batman you know like and yeah i've heard it's it's more detective driven than than the other movies yes a few things i'll say about it Without, I won't spoil anything. It's absolutely detective, detective driven, uh, and like it's a year two like noir detective story where he is solving cases and like working with the police. And the police are like, "Who the hell is this dude? Isn't he technically a vigilante? Show me, arrest him right now!" He's been beating people up, but like him and Gordon are like buddies. I don't think it's a spoiler. There's no origin. There's no pearls. There's no crime alley. It's you know referenced certainly. Because how could you get through a Batman movie without referencing it? But like, but uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it is three hours long. Yeah, it moves at a pace. Fine. Hopefully you'll, you'll see it. We can talk about it on the show. I could have used some more Dano. How how is his Riddler? It's awesome until it isn't. I'll say that. I really wanted him to have more time 
to be creepy. It is story structure wise. It is literally seven David Fitcher's seven. Hmm. Um, imagine like Brad, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are Batman and commissioner Gordon. And they're trying to solve this case and they're just following this stream of horrific events until the Riddler kind of gives himself up and they barely notice it. Also there's Catwoman. <laughs> and then, but by the time you like realize what's going on, it's already done. And then Batman has to figure his way out of this. The Batmobile is amazing. The Batmobile is amazing. And like, they definitely do the thing where like there, there's no guns, no killing thing, which thank goodness gracious. Cause I'm so, I, I hate, seeing Ben Affleck as Batman with a rifle shooting people. Oh yeah. It. Yeah. I don't, that's not, it makes me sick to my stomach. Um, there's a, there's a sequence where, where this Batman like grabs a rifle from someone, turns it around and like beats the shit out of people with the butt of the rifle. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's my Batman. He's like, no guns, no killing. Um, that's my Batman. Thank you very much. And the biggest thing, Jake, that makes this movie cool inner monologue that's pretty cool every batman comic book has an inner monologue by bruce wayne batman and he's like the city you have to fight to survive and it's like that it opens like that and like and then as soon as like the movie opened and i heard him speaking without him being on in the frame i was i grabbed my friend i'm like oh my god they're doing it they're doing the inner monologue and he narrates the movie, and it's brilliant. There's not enough of it, but it kind of bookends the movie. But, like, that is brilliant. I hope they pursue that because it's awesome. And, like, it's, a, it's an easy thing to do. Put, put, your, put your guy in the booth and, like, have him, like, read stuff. And, like, it'll <laughs> soften, you know, uh, plot holes or anything like that or plot contrivances or anything like that. It's, it's, it's great. It feels weird to say, but it honestly kind of snuck up on me. Maybe because I'd been so kind of like swept up in the No Way Home mm-hmm. uh, mania. Yeah. And I know that Batman got pushed back a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot, a lot. Yeah. I think when you when you pointed out that you were going to see it, I was like, oh, damn, like that's coming out. I. I hadn't seen a terrible amount of like press for it. You know, I feel like with like with Spider-Man, it was like all it was omnipresent, like theories online. But with I feel like the Batman just kind of like dropped and was like, oh, shoot. Like, I remember I saw I remember freaking out about that trailer or that teaser that leaked back in like, like last fall. But I wasn't following it like I did for Spider-Man. Yeah. But as far as I know, it's making good money and we'll probably get a sequel. I, I, mean, I haven't even seen this movie, but I'm hoping that the next villain isn't the Joker. Mm. Uh, I know I've heard some rumors. But uh-huh. Jake asked me a question about the Batman. How is Zoe's Catwoman? Lovely. She wears this bonkers mask with like ears on it and stuff like that. And then like this little strip across her nose. I'm like, how is it staying on her nose? Like the whole time, like, like, does she sneeze? Like, it'll flip right off. Um, but she's good. She's, she's got this great line when, like, you know, him and Selena Kyle and Batman are, like, on a rooftop, of course. 
and she's like, you know, fuck this city. Everything's corrupt and all that. He's like, we can fix it. She's like, and she just looks him up and down. And she goes, hmm, I don't know who you are, but I can tell you grew up rich. And I was like, whoa, like she's a better detective than he is as a, like, yeah, she's like a personality detective. She's like reads him up and down. Awesome. Is there a teaser? There is a tease and you alluded to that. You probably have heard something about it. There's a, there's a sort of tease and that's probably the worst a scene where I was like, come on, Paul Dano, do better. If that is a, any hint. Well, I don't think it's a spoiler, but uh, no, I'll, I'll let you watch the movie. But, uh, but, uh, but, um, is there any mention of like Harvey Dent? Or... There's no Harvey Dent. Give me a really scary killer croc. I'm kind of with you. I want Clayface. Yeah, that was the other one I was going to say. Give me a Clayface. You know, like... Hell yeah. Let's go crazy with it, right? I said, give me a, like a man bat too. You know, like, give me a scary man bat. See, okay, yeah. I think you you and I are both on the same page on this one. Like, if this is a trilogy, let's go crazy and creature with it. Let's go monster with it. Yeah, I'm with you. How about, fuck that swamp thing. Yeah. Let's go Let's go. Bruce Wayne versus swamp thing in the next one. And they have to fight man bat or some, or some shit. I don't know. And then for the third one, if you want to reveal that it's the Joker pulling the strings the whole time. Fine. But give me something a little different. You know, like I don't, don't dive right into the Joker. It's been done before. You see that, you saw that meme of Dr. Manhattan on Mars, right? It is 1982 or, or, or sorry, it's, it's 1989. And I'm seeing a dark and gritty Batman. It's 1994. I'm seeing a darker and grittier Batman. It's, you know, it's, it's 2001. I'm seeing a darker or grittier Batman. It's 2022. I'm seeing a, Again, a darker and grittier Batman. I'm kind of ready for them to just relax a little bit and maybe add some levity to the to the Dark Knight a little bit. I know it's like, yeah, works in the shadows, dark story, but like kids can't see this movie. We can't make action figures out of this. Children aren't going to be into this. When I was a kid, I liked Batman. Kids aren't going to like this Batman. It's terrifying. Yeah. So at a certain point, we're going to lose everyone and if, and if batman's just for people that are 35 and up you're gonna lose batman so we have to like kind of course correct a little bit come on man yeah i don't know it's just like, so it's so it's so morose and so like someone shit in his cereal and like the biggest critique of the movie is like bruce wayne and batman are the same person that's like the big critique of this movie is that like Pattinson is playing Bruce Wayne just like like sad and like on all that like sure but like the cool the fun part of like the Bruce Wayne Batman thing in like the Nolan trilogy is that like oh Bruce Wayne he plays Bruce Wayne as this like dickhead playboy whatever yeah and that's kind of fun to watch at least I know there's I I think of like I think Keaton played that so well when like Knox and Vicky Vale Knox, like, well remembered. Uh, Arliss. Uh, Arliss. <laughs> Even more remembered. This is king, that, uh, king of the Wicker people. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That's, that's a two. Uh, and he comes in and he's just like, oh yeah, hey, you did. Yeah, well, I own it. You know, and they're like, you're Bruce Wayne. He just, he's kind of playing it like aloof. And he's just like, how do you know this is from Japan? Uh, I bought it in Japan. Yeah. Like that, that shit's great. He like deflates that by like when Vicky Vale is in the room and like they're eating dinner across a giant table. And she's like, do you ever get lonely? And he's like, what? 
<laughs> and he's like, actually, I've never been in this room before, <laughs> which is really cute. I don't know. I, I don't need Bruce Wayne to be like, I think that's him like being vulnerable, which is something you don't, you don't see a lot, especially certainly not in the movies and all that. But like, I wouldn't mind seeing the uh, dual identities at play with each other. In this movie, it's it's become quite clear that like he is just Batman, yeah, and hasn't even tried to become Bruce Wayne yet. So, the best way you see that is like in the the animated series. You know, he it's it's such a great balance. You know, and um, Kevin Kevin Conroy, he does yeah. that. His voice changes. You know, he's like, "Well, hello, how you doing?" Like, did I ever tell you a story about meeting Kevin Conroy? You met Kevin Conroy? <laughs> I sure did. I was DJing in, in Manhattan. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I was DJing at this uh, at this bar in Manhattan. Like, uh, th- there was like a, a separate room in the back where they would like do podcasts, much like ours. And like they had this like, comic book one, and they got Kevin Conroy as a guest. I was DJing the same night as like these that this as this like comic book podcast, and I would see like different celebs that would walk in there. You know, nerdy celebs like I don't know, a Chris Hardwick, a Kevin Conroy, something like that. And like, I was like, oh my god, Kevin Conroy's here. And my friends were there, and like my buddy Justin was like, Kevin, Bruce, Batman, Wayne Conroy. I'm like, yeah, just don't listen to me. Go in the back room and check this out. <laughs> and and uh, my friend Becky went in there. My roommate, aforementioned roommate Becky, went in there, and um, he did this whole panel discussion. Kevin Conroy did. And he is my Batman, truly. I'm a big animated series guy. I think that's like pinnacle. It's like it's like perfect apex Batman, perfect. And at the end of the panel discussion, they were like, "All right, well, I think we're done with questions for Kevin Conroy. But does anyone have anything you want Kevin Conroy to say in the Batman voice?" Yes, the audience. And my my dear dear friend and roommate Becky just shoves her hand up and goes. Where's the titty bar? It's on tape now. Kevin Conroy going, where's the titty bar? Which is great. I'll check. I, I think we're going to go see it next week. Uh, we're, we're off for spring break. so Yeah, uh, yeah, right on. I'm excited to see it. You haven't said anything about my haircut. I was going to say, I like it. Do you? When you, did, when you did that, it reminded me of Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy? He's like... Uh, when he's when he's trying to sell the parts and he goes, <laughs> I forget the line. He puts his hands in his hair and it just sticks out. And then the chief of police comes over and is like, "Oh my god, <laughs> man!" Uh, Tommy Boy takes place in, uh, I believe, in a, in a city called Chicago. Yes, it does. How about that? Um, which also reminds me of the first track of my album this week. Elliot, tell me about your album this week. Well, first of all, <laughs> here, here we, we go.
Okay, my album this week um, uh, was Guru Mara's Vertigo. Um, it, it's it, it came out in '99, and it's like a one of these like cool, like definitive kind of like uh, chill out albums. And we're over. I want to get. I'm gonna get to chill out in a, in a minute. But um, there's some really good musicality here. It's another duo, of course. It's just two guys. Uh, they're making jams. Um, and I think I said, uh, you know, last record that like one of them plays the trombone. So there's an interest, there's an interest in the horns. And this is like a, there's a horn section often in these tunes. And there's uh, an ambiance of like atmospheric elements. These tracks seem to have a time and a place, you know, uh, Chicago, dusk, you and me, La, um, at the river. These are these. It's, it seems to be inviting in an element of location and time, and like a place where you might. These songs might uh, make sense and like and be perhaps perfect for them. And this is like one of these first, one of the first chill out records I've uh, brought to the show. Chill out, which is a. A very another nebulous genre. It's not quite dance music. It's not quite trip hop because it's not quite dark. It is chill out. Meaning, like you could put this on in the background. I think last time we said maybe over perhaps over brunch, but maybe even more than that. It's like a back to mine album. Like quote back to mine after you go to the club, after you dance your ass off, you're all sweaty someone invites you back to mine quote and you put this kind of stuff on and it's like the chill out session when you get back to your place at 4 a.m you put some groove armada on and everyone kind of like like lowers their heart rate and gets into this mood of like yeah we had a lovely night what's tomorrow gonna look like jacob What'd you think of Vertigo by Gubermont? Oh, I loved it. Um, I totally get the the chill out explanation. I see you, baby. When you I said that, you, I was thinking, bow, 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 bow. See, I don't even know if that's, I think that's you, baby. This, the fat boy thing. But um, I, remember, I remember that song in like car commercials. I remember it, it was, I feel like it was on the radio too. I see fat you, baby. Yeah. Previous episode. Fatboy Slim's um, remix of that song. Which is a great remix. Yeah. Killer remix. Yeah. So when you said it was like a chill out record, I was yes. like, okay, like I'm I'm only I'm going into Groove Armada thinking of I see you baby. You know. Oh yeah. So when this album kicked on, I was like, oh this this isn't I see you baby, you know, like that I heard on Mix 96.1 back in <sighs> back in the day. This is a lot. Mm. No, it is not. Um, so you mentioned Chicago. Uh, you can imagine my surprise. Yeah, track one. I was listening to it and it was like, and then you hear, whoa, whoa, in the background. I was just like, one, two, three, four. This sounds like. Sugar Ray and, and so yep. I like I I looked it up and Sugar Ray came out at, in January and this one came out in May and I was like the Groove Armada sample Sugar Ray and they totally did. 
let's be fair. They use the same sample. That's what happened. <laughs> they I use the same drum loop sample. Isn't that, but isn't that Sugar Ray? I thought Sugar Ray created that. I couldn't find that. This is going to be, I can already tell, this is our last episode. We're going to get <laughs> a fight about this. Um, do a fight. <laughs> I believe it's a, I believe it's a break from like an old like Zamba tune and like, uh, uh, unless, unless, maybe, maybe, yeah, you might be right. Perhaps okay. Groover Mata sampled Sugar Ray. Uh, but the, 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 the Groover Mata sample is longer than the Sugar Ray one. Yes. So I think they're both just sampling the same loop, the same break, and it's just happenstance. Now, I, I did a little deep dive and I couldn't find the original record. I'll find it though. And it will be mine. Oh, yes, it will be mine. But, um, you don't think Sugar Ray created that drum? I'm like, oh, I want to see who did this. Oh. I think I think it's like a, cl- a classic drum break that a lot of people have sampled before. But like, but um, I might be wrong. I don't know. It was neat too. It was neat to hear that sample. And yeah, uh, I really like I really like Chicago um, with the cold guitars. Yeah, it was a longer song, but these songs didn't feel long to me. Mm-hmm. I know often, oftentimes that's that's my main thing is like like with like uh like orbital like that's mm-hmm. the one I go to with the, with the real real long real long songs um these these were longer but it didn't feel the length oh I'm gonna make you listen to orbital again I swear God! <laughs> you will love them I promise a couple other standout <laughs> tracks are whatever whenever uh has some really great um, really dramatic strings. It looks like those yeah. are sampled. Uh, those were sampled by the band American Gypsy and their song Inside Out. That's some great like a uh, hip hop like uh, and like lyricist too. That's really great. Yeah. You mentioned trip hop, and I think the closest this one, this album gets to trip hop, is at the river. If Beth Gibbons were to just like come out and start singing on this one, it would make sense. It, it, it really reminded me of of, of Portishead. Yeah, um, th- there's a certain like jazz element at play here, and like because there's it's lower tempos and like it's kind of like s- like soothing as opposed to like part of heads more like uh, anxiety, you know. And yeah. our trip hop's kind of like mysteriousness, like uh, like your DJ Shadow or whatever, like uh, like dark. And all this. this is this is more like wow, I want to listen to this as the sun comes up on a beach and all that, you know. Like this is uh, what you might call coffee shop electronica stuff. All of Starbucks can agree on. Like <laughs> everyone's gonna have a fine time listening to this. It's just kind of mellow. Yeah, very mellow. Very like a very a real easy listen. Honestly, um, some other standout tracks are you know I had pre sixty three. If everybody looked the same, do you like if everybody looked the same? Uh huh. It's one of their more faster-paced ones. Like, if everybody looked, at, we get tired of looking at each other. That's it's a really positive message. And thank you. Yeah, this was this was like I said. Um, the best way I can describe this movie is like a really just very gentle on the ears. You know, it was it sounded great. Yeah. It, was, it was smooth. It was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was it was, it was really nice. And one one new segment I like to introduce to the show, and we can do it at the end. No, is, no let's do it now. What, what do you mean? Is because you know, 
Elliot and I, we, we talked about it before, but we are both collectors of vinyl. Um, yes. And so in the age of streaming, you know, admittedly, it's not the best way to support your favorite artists, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so how how I try to make an effort to to support an artist, because I, I, I understand and I know that it's incredibly unfair in, in, in the streaming world. So what I try to do is if I really connect with something, I try to go out and buy the CD from the artist or mm-hmm. mainly buy the vinyl. Yeah. So I'd like to introduce a new segment uh, to Sip and Mimos called, Would You Buy That Vinyl? Oh. So, uh, well, well, okay, Jake, but would you, would, you, would you buy Vertigo and vinyl? I would. I would if I saw this one out and about. I would pick it up for sure. I as well. I've got tr- tracks of theirs on vinyl. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever owned Vertigo on vinyl. Because here's the thing: like uh, for the longest time, I was buying. I think I said this on the show before. Vinyl as utilitarian weapons, bullets in my gun and all that. So it's hard to find a place to put these tracks apart from like CD mixes for friends because these are glorious tunes but i'm not gonna like necessarily drop them out on the dance floor or anything but no so uh, yeah i would i would definitely buy the record um yeah it was a really like frankly just a lovely listen you know yeah uh, it kind of like is almost a 180 from my album this week uh mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um but this was like i said it was smooth um it was Some gentle, gentle on the ear. Um, yeah, it, it was awesome. It was a great recommendation. Yeah, um, albums like this were started started to be become of note in the late '90s, and and uh, and this whole like chill out one word as a genre became like a thing where like oh electronic music is really good at doing this kind of you know background music, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell you this is background music by any stretch of the imagination because I enjoy it so much. And I think there's a lot of lovely musicality here, but chill out kind of became this like catch-all term. And you started seeing a lot of uh, compilations, you know, of chill out music. Now that's what I call chill out kind of stuff. Like with all these just kind of, well, again, coffee shop music, uh, brunch music, but I think better suited is back to mind music like like okay let's go back to my place and we'll put this on like is the better term for it this loungy kind of electronica lounge electronica it, but it but it also affords these songs with a lower tempo a little more a little more breathing room to add some musicality some emotion some slower samples some horn sections to where you can really kind of let them breathe, and then you breathe in yourself, and and take a little break, put this on, and you can just feel the waves crashing against the shore as these songs playing and out. And I think it's um, it's quite up there with my chill out recommends so you, for electronica albums. You've mentioned the you've mentioned the beach twice now. You said yes. as you're you listening to the album as on the beach while the sun comes up and then you said let it wash over you uh 
have you ever listened to this one on the water? That's a great question. I'm almost certain I have. I don't know. Like on a boat? Or like at... Boat? On, on the beach? Anything? Yes, probably. Probably? <laughs> I don't know. That's just where I picture myself when I'm listening to it. But yeah. There, there, there great, are certain... fine questions. A beautiful question. Thank you. There are certain albums like that where it's obviously from the first like hour of, of our of our of our show tonight we you know just really talked about movies and different stylistic decisions of directors and comedians and stuff like that we're both very uh we both i one of the truly great things i really enjoy always talking about aside from 90s rock and electronica is our, our movies and we, i think because we both love that we both have like an eye for cinema you know we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of different movies between us to the point where you can picture something in your head you know like you can even if you haven't listened to this one on on the beach i know i haven't but when you say that i can i can picture it from something i've seen in a movie or a tv show and playing in a scene where someone is on the beach yeah I, I it might be because he's always on my mind in a lot of ways in 30 days of night when josh hartnett uh watches the sun and you know <laughs> After he's been a vampire, and yeah. his loved one is holding him, and it's kind of beautiful, mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, uh, and then he's just, so. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. When you were listening to, uh, I see you, baby, shaking that ass <laughs> <laughs> while bursting, while like disintegrating in the sun. Yes. Into, into ash, and like you're losing you. I see you, baby. I'm turning into ash. Turning into ash. <laughs> Turning into ash. All right. <laughs> but no, I uh, even if you haven't, you can <clears throat> you can picture it in your head from from a movie scene. Like I, I I don't know about you, but like I always I always really enjoy like like scoring like a movie with a song of my own. Like oh, you know what would really go great there? Like a Decemberist song. That would be so good in this scene. That'd be great. You know. Uh, Dude, that- I I do that all the time. It's like my wind down uh, method, like to go to sleep at night. I put a couple of tunes on. I'm like, this is what this song would be like to a movie or something like that. Measure to measure, like here's what would happen and all that. It's beautiful. And I was listening to uh, Vertigo last night as like the sun was setting and my you know my lovely stupid over here. So I, I don't know something about this kind of music like opens me up and like opens my heart and opens my ears a little bit to like maybe this is where we're supposed to be maybe the uh, maybe the the sounds that we're hearing on top of this music is meant to be part of it It, it's just quite comforting and it is waves crashing out against the beach it is a sunset and a sunrise and it's just and it is a trombone oddly placed (laughs) and it's brunch with your friends and it's and it's hanging out with you on zoom right now and it's just a comforting feeling and that's that's what i think chill out if it is a genre i don't think it is but that's i think what they're going for here very well said yeah i'll drink to that cheers
I wasn't actually peeing, I was putting my cock ring on. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, that's the segue. We're keeping that in. Here we go again. Here we go. For my album this week. Uh, yes. I, I uh, gifted Elliot uh, 1998's Five um, by Leonard Kravitz, yes. better known as Lenny Kravitz. Lenny. Elliot, <sighs> I thought it was all right. Um, I, I was, it was curious. So, this guy, <laughs> I tried to enter the album with without any like presuppositions or anything like that about his persona or you know his how many sunglasses he owns or how many scarves or what his dick looks like or anything like that. How good his daughter did at being Catwoman. I, I, like, I just try to enter in properly, <laughs> and like, I was like, okay, this guy is just like a riff monster. So yeah, all the songs are quite simple, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of undeniable. Like, fly away, like, done, fine, awesome, love it, and like, that's kind of it. I was impressed by how like funky it got a little bit, you know, in some of the earlier tracks like Lit Live. Ah, every time he said, yeah, uh, all right, all right, it kind of took me out a little bit because it, re- it reminded me of like who I'm listening to. Just because it's another one that's like always those things where like, oh, right, they're, they're a person I've noticed. Yeah, I know so much about them and like, oh, they're so fucking hip and cool. But um, I really tried to listen to this with like, you know, clean ear, fresh fresh face, fresh mind. And I dug it. My biggest takeaway was like, this is a very minimal album. Like there's not a lot going on here. That was my biggest takeaway. He's doing a lot with very little. I had a friend over and I was playing Lenny Kravitz because I have to. (laughs) And my friend was like, these drums are great. I'm like, these aren't drums. There's no drums on this entire album. These are all programmed by machines. This is all 808 shit. Oh, oh, you, oh I know you're gonna try to test me on this. See, we both got fingers up. 
<laughs> but I think he would agree. Like he's a riff master, and he like he likes a riff. And he likes he likes his uh, simple vocals, and he's not quite the wordsmith. He rhymes fly with fly, 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 and dragonfly, like several times over. So my my history with Lenny Kravitz, I yeah. fell in love with Fly Away. Yeah, watch, watching VH1. VH1. Uh, I saw the music video. I love the chords. I thought this guy. You know, playing, he's playing like a red strat in the music video, if I'm not mistaken. He just looks so cool. So, 90, 98, I was 10 or 9, getting ready to turn 10. And he's, here's this guy, sunglasses on, he's playing this awesome strat. The guitar sounded like dirty and like mean, and it was catchy. And I thought, like, oh, this is so cool. Like, this is nuts. Um, so, for I think it was Easter. I got it for a holiday. I'll know that. Maybe a birthday. Um, <laughs> I was gifted. And I remember, I, I still have the CD. It's, I have it. And I remember, because on the front cover, he still has his dreads, his famous dreads. And, on the cover and, of five? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the music video, he, he has like a, he has like an afro. And I'm just like, you know, nine-year-old me, I'm just like, what? What? you know, like, hashtag not my Lenny. I know. <laughs> I was upset. You know, we we went off we went off on a Mike Myers tangent last episode. You know, I, you know, in the late '90s, I was obsessed with Mike Myers. Oh, I see where this is going. Yep. So, and Lenny famously covered "American Woman" by the Guess Who, so he was there too. So it was just like, oh shoot, like. He's, you know, this guy's the real deal. He's, he's, he's so badass, and and I think like that fateful like year from 90, 98 to ninety nine, just kind of kind of set me up for a lifetime of like every couple months being like, I wonder what Lenny Kravitz is doing. You know? <laughs> to, back to the album, yeah. So yes. I feel like five Fly, by Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Five, uh, five by Lenny Kravitz. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I feel like Fly uh, is, is up there with one of my favorite songs of the 90s. Um, woo, woo! So it's so, so simple. It's four chords the entire yep. song. Yeah. Um, one of the things I learned about Lenny in these, in my research for this one, was that he plays pretty much every instrument you hear on this album, including. The drums, my good sir. <gasps> no. That's him on the drums on this record. He's playing them or is he programming them? I think he's playing them. He's playing He's playing um, on live, for, on Flyaway for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Cindy, Cindy Blackman, uh, she, she drums on Straight Cold Player, which is a, such a banger of a track. What are your favorite jams on here? Uh, so, certainly in, fly away. Fly away. So, in all honesty, even though I've had this album in my collection for twenty-four years now, you always do this. You always do this. We're like, oh, actually, I haven't actually listened to the whole album. Like, what do you? What? 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 You, know, you keep on I, doing this, Jake. I go. I go based. I. I. I pick my albums based on emotion. Singles and singles, admittedly. I have never given you an album I haven't been emotionally invested in. That's why it's 
deeply hurtful when you get them mixed up. <laughs> uh, so I loved Live, um, that opening track. Yeah. I, I, I put it on and I was like, here we go. Five by Lenny Kravitz. I'm like, okay. Like, it's funky and there's like some cool shit going on. I'm like, okay, if it's at home with this and plus fly and I'll fly away and all that, I'm like, all right, I'm down. And then, you know, things started to happen. He, it's, um, he's the, he's the producer on these albums too. And I think that's something that can't be addressed. I feel like a lot of it may be a little self-indulgent. I, I think it needs to be addressed as well. <laughs> it's, it's a little, it, some of the stuff becomes a little like, like Lenny kind of drinking his own, his own tea kind of thing. Like he's, yeah. Lenny loves Lenny, you know, and so here we go. We didn't talk about the. We didn't talk about like the how Lenny is so cool factor, right? Of this song. Yeah. So, and you 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 took the words right out of my mouth by referencing Oasis and the Gallagher brothers. Yeah. Because Lenny Kravitz has become this personality, you know, like this like uber cool. It kind of like cloaks the music in a lot of ways, where you're just like. Mm. Okay, like, I mean, you're obviously very talented, but, like, you probably would benefit from having someone there with you to be like, maybe, maybe cut this, maybe cut this down a little bit, you know? Like, maybe take it back, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, this feels like a a demo tape in some places. Yeah. I mean, like, and and I'm not, I mean, I'm not being a dick or anything. Like, some of these tunes I really enjoyed. The last track, uh, I think it's, it's on some releases without you. Is yeah. like awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome, like really good. And the guy can sing, but like, let's maybe okay. I know your home studio is dope and all that, and like you're getting blown while you're singing. But like, maybe let's get a badass producer in here and some professional musicians to, uh, you know, uh, raise it up a notch or two. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, I think the music would benefit from that. As an artist, I don't think he would be pleased with allowing that to happen. I think he's definitely one of those, one of those artists that needs to be in control of of his music. So the uh, Questlove has a podcast called the Questlove Supreme Podcast. Yeah, I'd never I'd never listened to it before, but he had an episode with Lenny on there, and it was really mm-hmm. good. I'm gonna go back and listen to more. And Lenny just talked about his entire career, and in it he said that. He turned down five record contracts because they weren't to his like standards. That that's from what I understand. It seems like he he needs to be in control of of every little thing, and that's why he plays all the instruments, you know. And that's fine, and that's kind of cool. the 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 production seems quite rudimentary and like the panning is quite extreme and elements arrive into the songs in odd locations yeah. like not like a little unphrased and all this the vocals are a bit high in the mix which screams to me i'm the lead vocalist and i'm producing this song yeah like no 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 vocals up higher like well okay but like oh you're not a band you're learning puppets like but like that's also good make your tune software because no one can hear anything else except for you screaming especially when he like gets the megaphone you know filter out and like 
like uh, which is cool but it it only works if like it fits it doesn't blare anyone's earbuds out of their heads you know all these things take a village and like if you're making something like this home home production is awesome and it's very cool but like if you want to make it what you want to make it i don't know well maybe maybe this is exactly what he wants to make yeah maybe this is maybe this is exactly what he wants it to be from his interview with Questlove, it was um yeah and every everything that he puts out is exactly what he envisions and what he wants and i i from from an art from an artistry standpoint yeah you know i respect that you know do i do i agree with every do i agree with every decision no but do i love every freaking picasso painting i see no i do think for for my ear i do think that having another producer on this would would probably benefit the album uh maybe make it a little bit more cohesive i don't know no, there, there are some cool things going on here, but it's mm-hmm. it's not without its flaws. Yeah, I think just just developed a theory right now. I th- I wonder if he was developing an album, and I, I can't imagine this is possibly true, but maybe he was making songs that would rise to Billboard charts and have this long lasting. I think one of the, I think Five has like one of the record-breaking like long-lasting billboard uh activity of, uh, of all albums like because these songs sound really good over the radio yeah where you don't pick up nuance they do sound fine over the radio even better over the radio because it's a shitty a portrayal of your music but this ha- this does the radio test you can listen to this in the school bus and it'll sound exactly the way you want it to, because there's less elements going on. I wonder if that was uh, perhaps by design, and if so, that's kind of genius. Yeah, I definitely think Lenny's a—he's a very smart guy, you know, like uh, very well spoken. Aside from the like, Questlove Supreme podcast, I listened to an interview with him where he was showing his like his collection of like pop culture ephemera. Okay. And so in it, I'm going to do my best Lenny Kravitz. He was like, <laughs> and here we have Muhammad Ali's boxing boots from his last fight. And here we have the handwritten Beatles lyrics to Sgt. Peppers. And here we have Miles Davis's leather jacket, who's also my godfather. You know, so it was like, wow. This, and I, I, I mentioned it right before we started recording, but like, I started realizing, like, I'm more fascinated by Lenny Kravitz, the persona, the the, the man, than I am by his music, because he lives such an incredibly interesting life. Like, so Lenny's mother, um, Roxy Roker, she was an actor who was on the Jeffersons, famously. Uh, her and Lenny's father, Cy Kravitz. Um, they were very involved in the New York art scene in the 60s and 70s. So Lenny talks about how his first concert was the Jackson 5 and the Commodores at Madison Square Garden. You know, he was like, yeah, my, my parents were, they took me to Broadway plays. They took me, my, my mom was friends with Duke Ellington. 
So at my fifth birthday, Duke Ellington's orchestra played me Happy Birthday while I sat on his knee. You know, and it's wow. just like these like really incredible stories that made for like a like a very interesting person. And, and it's not saying like I don't love Lenny's music. I mean, he's obviously extremely talented and you know, Fly Away, like I said, is one of my favorite songs of the nineties. But it's almost like Liam Gallagher, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in what well, what's he gonna say? You know, like he's gonna say something uh-huh. like funny or like he's gonna be wild. I don't know. That being said, I, I could listen to Lenny talk about his grocery list and I would just be happy. He just that's interesting that you brought his parentage up. Like, cause I was, I, I was almost certain that like, wasn't Lenny Kravitz like son of someone that's famous already? And I guess like his folks are, you know, well to do, but it reminded me immediately just now of the moment in the Batman when Catwoman and Batman are on a rooftop and Batman says something to her like, well, we could fix this. And she goes, you grew up rich, didn't you? So, <laughs> there's something about him that just reeks of privilege. Yeah, a little bit. Not not that that takes away from anything necessarily. Something about being a rock and roll star and privileged. Perhaps there's something there. Jake, I need to ask you as a guitar player: Do you appreciate his guitar playing? Oh, definitely. Um, I I remember like the the guitar solo for American woman. I remember that, yeah. music, that music video vividly, you know, like yeah. Heather Graham, like, come on, Woo. like blown away. And uh, what I learned also was he was very good friends with Prince. Yes. Um, and I never knew that, but seeing Lenny, he kind of carries himself like Prince in a lot of ways. Like mm. even he's like, even his like uh, speech inflection, very, very calm, very like monotone, very never. Low. Hey, this is Lenny. You know, <laughs> call this one computer blue. Um, but and I game and I, blouses. <laughs> and there's a great video on YouTube where it's Lenny and and Prince jamming on Fly Away and American Woman. I don't know I. I think he, he's a very he has, he's he's an artist with a ton of integrity, and I have a lot of respect for that. Um, did he did he do it as well as Prince did? I, I don't think so. But then again, Prince is like a once in a generation talent, you know. <laughs> like we're dealing with some strong personalities here, right? Like uh, yeah. these are people that like, that that are maintaining their brand in a weird yeah. way. It becomes. A bummer when like it's who is Lenny Kravitz dating? Then what's his next track sound like? You know, it, it is it is really interesting. And I do I will I think about Lenny Kravitz three months from now randomly? Probably. Um, <laughs> you said before that he's like a is like a style icon for you. Oh, I love Lenny. Like I can never pull any of it off, but just the confidence. Oh yeah. Well, well. Confidence aside, Jake, my good dear friend Jake, like what what's 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 stopping you from <laughs> PG thirteen version wearing a big scarf? <laughs> no one's stopping uh, you from doing that. You look good in a big scarf. Be great. That 
we will have to post that picture. It's like, if you haven't seen it, it's like he's wearing like a carpet. Like, it's like legit. A, a, he like went to Joanne Fabrics and got a sample of carpeting. He's like, this is gorgeous. And like, well, well, actually, no. He like walked out the door. Like, <laughs> yeah. Remember, you remember how um, like SNL did uh, like the Prince show with Fred Armisen as Prince? Yeah, love. I think if you could you could do the same with the like a Lenny show, you know, because he's just like, but I feel like Lenny's a little bit more accessible than Prince. Like we're Ooh, somehow I, I think Lenny would be ruder immediately, and Prince would be rude just by happenstance because he's so Prince. Do you know what I mean? He'd be like, no, thank you. Yeah, I, and walk away. I like to picture Prince as like as, as like in New Girl. He's like, hi. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You may now freak out. And they start screaming, and he's just yeah. like, Aah. yeah. <laughs> and it would it would invite me up into his, you know, attic room, and we would play some game, and I would, you know, realize self actuality, and uh, it would get me through the next year because he we had a big breakthrough, me and Prince. Well, clearly, I have has been stated on this show so many times. Like, man, these fucking personalities get in the way of the music. And like, yeah, Bono is like the example of that. Like, yeah. uh, like big time, right? But like, uh, but I don't know, maybe even less than Lenny Kravitz because Lenny Kravitz is like, fuck you, I'm cool. Bono is like, fuck you, I'm trying to help the world. <laughs> but, and like, and you're, and like, you're like, ugh, we get it. But like, also like with Bono, it's like, well, all right. You start thinking like, oh, there's Bono, you know, like it's- Oh, so yeah. It's, if, I don't. I don't know what it is. But like rock musicians, they they develop these like personas, and it's like Bowie, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. He developed multiple, you know. And it's like I don't yeah. know. It. But uh, just some some more quick things before we cl- close up on five. Uh, was influenced by Billy Corgan. Influenced. Okay. Uh, particularly Black Velveteen. Um, right. You wanted to talk about this this track. I really love this track. I uh, thought it was, I, I I really would like to see the Chemical Brothers remix this song. I, I think that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would absolutely play that out at a show. Yeah, that with like a, like a, like a, like a sped up beat in the background. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool. Um, so during this time, Smash Pumpkins did Adore, which is famously like industrial synth driven. Um, yes, you can kind of, you can definitely hear that on on Black Lives Teens. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to talk about that one not not because it was like technically, but just because going into it, I thought like Lenny was like this like funky soul guitar playing guy, and mm-hmm. here that like synthy you know buzzsaw kind of kind of sound was like oh okay like this album has some layers to it yeah um that being said if you wouldn't buy the album on vinyl would you buy any singles off of this one and if if so which ones i would love like a 12 inch of uh uh black velvet team with uh fly away on the other side so i could drop it in like because like, like the, even that riff would go a long way and you could drop stuff over that and like that'd be great yeah for sure for sure like I, uh, I, I might not like 
Well, I mean, like I did, because I did like other tunes. Maybe I would get the whole. I would get the whole maybe. But um, yeah. and um, without you again, the the album closer. I think on a special edition. I think I don't think it was in the original release, but uh, without you was very cool. Very cool. All I right. Pick it up. That, that's surprising. I, th- I thought that was gonna be like a, a, a nay. What? Nah. I need more records. <laughs> you're, you're just, you're just uh, keeping on my toes tonight, pulling all kinds of stops out. <laughs> what did I do? Now this one was like really great to return to. Like I said, it's like I think it could have benefited from from having another producer. And I think sadly, like these days, Lenny is more of a uh, pop culture figure. I'll take it because, you know, I really like Lenny Kravitz. Um, If he drops anything new, I I will listen to it. Um, Especially after listening to Five, kind of have like a like a renewed like interest in his music. So, why not, man? He's not playing those drums, Jake. Um, He's one hundred percent playing those drums. Show me proof. (laughs) And then, and then the side (laughs) note. I also watched The Hot Ones with Zoe Kravitz, and she seems like absolutely lovely. And one thing I will say about Lenny is the man absolutely adores his daughter. And I I love that about him, even though like, yeah. you know, musical you know, musical and artistic choices, I don't know if I'm fully on board all the time. Uh, see our discussion, um, mm-hmm. but I have nothing but respect for for that guy for the absolute like love he has for his child. Um, he he was talking about his his dreads and cutting off his dreads, and, he, and they were like, "Do you do you still have them?" He was like, "Yeah, you know, there's Zoe's, you know, there's Zoe's." Um, and then he was when he was talking about his like his pop culture uh, like uh, things he has like. James Brown boots and Muhammad Ali's boots and Beatles lyrics. They're like, um, are you gonna hold on to these forever? And he was like, yeah, he goes, he goes, these are Zoe's, you know? Like when I'm gone, there's Zoe's, you know, this is my family and you know, it's all hers and everything, everything is hers, you know? And yeah. then when the Batman dropped, he tweeted out, he was like, you know, congratulations, my love on this monumental occasion, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what, like, super co- coolest guy in the world, you know, yeah, but, you wow. know, you're not as, you're never as cool as, as, as a guy who loves his, who loves his daughter, you know, like, and I, that alone, like, makes me just respect the heck out of Lenny Kravitz, and, and he was also on the episode of The Simpsons, so I'm all for, I'm all, I'm all here for it. Uh, uh, all right, so you, you did last week's album first. Um, did I? Uh-huh. Okay. So I got one uh ready to go for you if you're if if that's okay. I'm 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 ready. What are we doing next time? I've got my list and I always I think I always do better when riffing off of you, but uh I think you'll be able to match something perfectly with this with this album. Okay, what what you got? All right. So this is a band um that oh, I'm I, nervous. I'm nervous that I incorrectly thought their, you know, the majority of their output was done in the eighties. Um, but it turns out this album in particular came out in 
the year of our Lord, 1990. Oh. So I'm very excited to discuss this one. I, I don't think we've ever talked about a pop album like this. Um, pop album 1990. It's very, very electronic, very synth driven. Um, okay. Look for uh, the, the big songs on this one. You got words of silence break. The oh, you've got your own personal. So next week we are going to dive into Depeche Mode, 1990s Violator by Depeche Mode. That's gorgeous. I can't wait. That's beautiful. Excellent. Awesome. Cool. Are you familiar? Great. Are you familiar with the mode? Yeah, uh, I'm familiar with the mode. <laughs> the Vichy Moab. All right. Um, in September of 1999, an album called Wide Angle was released by, you guessed it, a duo under the name of Hybrid. And I think it might accompany that album quite well. This is a breakbeat album with these glorious strings behind it. Imagine Portishead meets Crystal Method. So this is like a breakbeat kind of dance thing with like this this um like like orchestra behind it, and it's quite breathtaking. Uh, so, hybrids wide angle. Wide angle. Yeah. How, are you, are you familiar with Violator? Have, have you listened to that one a lot? Yes. Oh. Yeah. It'll be a great talk. I'm excited. I. Me uh, as well. It's a super, super sexy, super sexy record. Um, yeah, yeah. Martin Gore on the front on, on the, you Google Depeche Mode and there's Martin Gore, the guy who writes all the music in like leather bondage gear. So, so right on, <laughs> right on indeed. So you kind of know exactly what we we're, what Sip and Mimos is getting into next time. Enjoy listening to some chill out, listening to some poppy rock and roll uh feeling good i'm feeling good about myself jake how about yourself i'm feeling good i'm feeling like i feel so good i feel like i could fly away yeah 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 i I think that'll do it uh for for lenny and groove armada yeah my friend i will see you next time with hybrids wide angle yes and depeche modes violator like and subscribe and tell your friends and and all and uh uh, Instagram, blah blah blah, and all the things that podcasts ask you to do. But more than anything, really, is to uh, stay safe, love one, love on each other. And Jake, as I always say, stay sipping out there. Stay sipping. <laughs> Later, dude. Later, man. <laughs>